you know, we've been talking about basically living the Christian life. We've been talking about um, perseverance, right? And how to overcome adversity and stuff. And so we have some more of that series, but because Pastor Edwin wasn't here, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to teach? So I had really spent the week just before the Lord studying different things like I always do because I love the word. You should say I love the word too. I study the word because I just, I, I want to know. Um, this is really how I feel about relationships, guys. Um, especially women, you will know what I mean. Like women want to know about the people they're doing life with. You want to know um, if you are in a long-term relationship, you have probably said at some point, tell me something I don't know about you. Tell me a story about when you was in elementary school. Tell me about a story when you was in middle school, right? And we even do it for our friends. And I think we have to ask ourselves, are we saying to God, tell me something I don't know about you. Tell me something I don't understand yet. Tell, tell me, tell me, help me to understand you. Why, why do we want these stories? We want these stories because these stories build intimacy, right? So when you know about what happened to your best friend in third grade, or when you know what happened to your boo in third grade, or even when you understand what happened to your mother in sixth grade, what does it do? It begins to create this intimacy, this understanding, this insight. You can go, oh, I know why. Okay, so I'm going to give y'all an example. When I was in the third grade, my grandmother, my sister, um, my aunt Moo, and another lady in our neighborhood had a really, really bad car accident. I mean, a really, really bad car accident. The car accident, this was before seatbelts were mandatory. And we are so thankful because the everybody told us that my grandmother was driving and a car hit them. They were getting ready to turn. A car hit them from behind and hit them into ongoing traffic at the other side. And the police said that had the ladies in the front, my grandmother and my aunt who had their seatbelts on, they would have died. But because they did not have their seatbelts on, they got thrown to the side. So when the car got smushed in, they did not get, um, they didn't die. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad about it. Everybody knows my grandma raised me. I'm glad about it. Well, anyway, when my grandmother is at the hospital um, and they're getting ready to transport her from our local hospital, somebody has gotten me from school. They've taken me up there. My grandmother's in all this pain and she is laying on the on the gurney getting ready to be transported to Little Rock. And my grandmother says to me, out of all the things she could have said, she says to me, she said, Sean, my underwear was so nice they didn't want to cut it. Now you may be thinking, why would she say this at that time? Well, one of the things that I knew about her is that as a kid, they were very poor and they didn't have a lot of underwear. And so for her, it was all every y'all listen, I was married and I would be telling my grandma I was on my way to see her. And she would say, is your underwear nice? Just in case if, if the if you if you get in a car accident, do you have on nice underwear? Now you're like, what does that have to do with anything? It then made sense why she kept talking to me about underwear. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? So the knowledge gave me this intimacy of her. Tell you, I'm going somewhere with this. 
Because many of us settle for knowing about God when God gives us an instruction through his word or through the Holy Spirit, we don't always understand the why and we don't try to understand the why. So then sometimes what we do is we end up making up things to make God like us instead of transforming to be like God. So you might not have understood why my grandma was always on us about underwear, but it had something to do with something in her history and her mindset before I was born. What does God know? The Bible says in Isaiah 55, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. We are supposed to be elevated, right, to his thinking. But are we allowing his word to transform us. And so I got an interesting title today. And the inter the title that I have today is From Feelings to Faith. From Feelings to Faith. Because as I have been looking around the world, you know, Pastor Edwin has been, he gave us this warning last week. How many of you were blessed by the teaching last week? He gave us this warning and people sent me a message. And I had a couple people send a message and say, tell Pastor Edwin, I'm so glad he was fussing because we need to hear this. And he was really talking about us being anchored in this season and not allowing adversity to overtake us, right? And so when I was asking the Lord um, what I should teach, one of the things how the Lord did Deals with me a lot is in questions. He'll I ask him a question, he then asks me a question. That question gives me an indication of where he's trying to lead me. So I'm like, what do you want me to teach about? I have been asking for three or four days. I'm, yesterday I'm like, okay, I gotta teach tomorrow. You gotta tell me what to teach about. Like three minutes later, he asked me these these two questions. He says, um, are your feelings? Are your feelings, corporate body, individually in corporate body, are your feelings causing you to offend me? And are your feelings causing you to be offended with me? So are your feelings causing you to offend me? Are your feelings causing you to be offended with me? So I was like, okay, let's go. So I'm studying my Bible. I'm looking at all this. And so I want to give you just kind of this basis for where we're going that I think you're going to see is going to tie into living the Christian life. It's going to tie into um, um, being persistent, um, having perseverance, uh, being able to stand in adversity. And so let's just jump into it. So the purpose of this teaching is to establish that believers in the Lord Jesus are called to live by faith, not our feelings. Faith starts where the will of God is known, which is in his word and by the Holy Spirit. So it is imperative that we intentionally live by faith instead of allowing our feelings and the culture to determine our beliefs. Did you hear that? It is imperative that we live by faith instead of allowing our feelings and our culture to determine our beliefs. It is imperative that we live by faith instead of allowing our feelings and our culture to determine our beliefs. Now, guys, listen, as we look around the world, we can see an increasing number of professed Christians who are simply throwing the word aside to live as they choose. Have you seen it? 
Have you seen on TikTok? Have you seen on Instagram? Have you seen on Facebook? I'm not talking about people who don't know Jesus. I am talking about people who say they know Jesus, who say they have accepted Jesus, who say they love Jesus, who literally are saying things that you are like, that is in direct contradiction to the scripture. It's in direct contradiction to the scripture. Well, if you look at, um, we're going to use the voice translation. The Bible warns us about this because it says, but even so, the spirit very clearly tells us that in the last times, some will abandon the true faith because of their devotion to spirits sent to deceive and sabotage. And mistakenly, they will end up following the doctrines of demons. Guys, what? Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying to Timothy, even back then, the Holy Spirit is warning us. Everybody say, thank God for Holy Spirit warnings. The Holy Spirit is warning us that in the last times, some will abandon the true faith because of their devotion, because of their devotion to spirits sent to deceive and sabotage. And mistakenly, they will end up following the doctrine of demons. Guys, can you see this all around you? This is why what Pastor Ellen was saying to us last week was so important. This is why Pastor Ellen was saying to us, God, you've got to gird yourself up in the word. You've got to grow up in the things of God. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit because you're literally even going to see believers. Believers that you sit beside in church, believers that you sit beside at work, believers that you meet in the store that are literally going to abandon true faith because of their devotion to spirits sent to deceive and sabotage and mistakenly they will end up following the doctrine of demons. Now, I thought this was really interesting. Tell your neighbor, say, because they don't do it on purpose. They're not doing it on purpose. They're not out here. They haven't accepted Jesus. They haven't accepted Jesus and said, no, I want to I want to follow the devil. That's not what has happened. But what they have a devotion to is spirits, mindsets and cultures that have been sent to deceive. Now, we're going to really get into this and you're going to see it. You can see how the enemy has tried to get every one of us on path, on path. Right now, then in um, Second Timothy four, it says instead they will live by their own desires. They'll scratch their itching ears by surrounding themselves with teachers who approve their lifestyle and tell them what they want to hear. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to take off running. He says, this is what's going to happen. It says, first of all, because of their devotion to spirit sent to deceive them, they are going to mistakenly end up following demon doctrines of demons, but thinking that they're following Jesus. And then what they're going to do is that they are going to live by their own desires and they're going to scratch their itching ears by surrounding themselves with teachers who approve their lifestyle. 
So what I'm looking for is I am looking for someone to be able, someone who will tell me I can be saved and still live in my flesh. I am looking for someone to tell me that it is okay that I still cuss people out. It is, I am looking for someone to tell me that it is okay that I still watch pornography. I am looking for someone who will tell me, they will tell me, Sean, it's okay how you live. That is why you should be so thankful for our pastor. Because what our pastor says is, I love you guys, but I will not violate God's word to feed your flesh. Which means sometimes I have to say to you hard things. I have to say to you, your position on this is based on your feelings, not your faith. Because there is no way you could keep this position if you were walking by faith. See, there is no way I could keep a position that fornication was okay if I was walking by faith. There is no way I could keep a position that it was okay to curse people out if I was walking by faith. There is no way I could keep a position that I should not be a part of a local church and be a giver if I was walking by faith. How am I able to do this? I am able to do this because I continue to exalt my feelings above my faith. The Bible says in Romans, the scripture isn't there, guys, to be carnally minded is death. When my feelings don't agree with God, I am walking the path of death. But what it says in this scripture that's so dangerous is that even though I'm walking the path of death, I'm going to try to get Pastor Chris to tell me that because I desire it, because I crave it, because it feels good to me, that it's okay for me to do. Tell your neighbor, say, not so, not so, not so. Now, the Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. Who's been justified by the Lord Jesus Christ? Who has accepted the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior? If you have accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you have a new way to live. It is by faith. Say, I walk by faith. I walk by faith. Now, many of you have heard me teach this, but let's put it into what we're seeing right here. We walking by faith requires me to know the will of God. You know the example I'm going to use. If you go to work tomorrow and you say, I believe that I receive that Sean Strickland is going to pick me up from work. I'm sowing a seed because I believe that Sean Strickland is going to pick me up from work. I told my husband, don't pick me up because I believe that Sean Strickland is going to pick me up from work. And then I don't come. It is not because um, I dropped the ball is because you were never in faith because you cannot have faith that I will do what I never said I would do. I cannot have faith that Jesus will bend the commandment that he never said would be bent. I can't use my faith for that. Now, let me give you a good example. I see believers because I'm not talking about unbelievers. Because unbelievers are not supposed to believe. But you know what we got in this church, in the church, in the body of Christ that we really need to fix? We have too many unbelieving believers. We have too many unbelieving believers. What are unbelieving believers? 
I have accepted Jesus as my personal savior, but I do not believe it is necessary for me to do the other stuff God said. My feelings don't like that. The culture says it's not acceptable. And so what I'm going to do is do what feels good to me. Now, the Bible says, y'all, this is so good to me. This is, I, I, this is why I love the word. You can study scripture for years and see something you have never seen before. So we're going to look at four times in scripture where it says the just shall live by faith. We're going to start with Habakkuk 2.4. It says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, you know, in this ministry, we teach according to 3 John 2, beloved above all things. I wish that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We know that your soul is your what? Mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Everybody put this in the, in the comments. Say, we all have thoughts that don't agree with God. We all have thoughts that don't agree with God. We all have feelings that don't agree with God. That is why the word is supposed to become our standard. So when I have a thought that doesn't agree with God, the word is going to cast that thought down and I'm going to put that thought into subjection and I'm going to obey the word instead of obeying my feelings. Now, let's look at this scripture. It says, behold, his soul is puffed up. So his soul is what? Mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. His soul is puffed up. In the King James, it says, lift it up. So I'm studying it out. What does this word mean in strong? To be lifted up means to make assumptions, to be audacious enough to do something, to exploit, and to take liberties to. So the person who lives by their feelings instead of by faith, their soul is lifted up and it is not in right standing with God. Why? Because you allow your feelings to cause you to make assumptions. You allow your feelings to allow you to be audacious enough to do what God told you not to do. You allow your feelings to cause you to exploit the grace of God and you allow your feelings to let you take, take liberties with God mercy. Come on, somebody. He says the puffed up soul makes assumptions about what God is saying. The puffed up soul has the audacity to do something other than God's what God said. The puffed up soul is an exploiter of grace. The puffed up soul says, well, I'm just human. The puffed up soul says, we all mess up. The puffed up soul says, I can't be like Jesus, even though Jesus said you're like him and to be holy for he is holy, right? The puffed up soul takes liberties with the word to fit it into the feelings of the soul. Come on, my God. Listen, right here. Oh, this is so good to me. Everybody take a deep breath. Let me drink some water because this is good to me. He says, listen, you can't be in faith when your soul is puffed up. You can't be in faith when your soul is puffed up because your soul says God didn't really mean that. Your soul says that was for back then. Those aren't the days we live in. 
Your soul says, I'm going to do what I want to do because God, we, because uh, we all fall short of the glory of God. My God, this is so good to me. So when my soul is shaped by something other than the word of God, it causes me to have a lifted up soul. And that lifted up soul is not pleasing to God. Tell your neighbor, say, God loves you. But in your feelings, God is not pleased. God loves you, but God is not pleased with your, your, your feelings. A soul that is led by anything other than the word of God has the audacity. Ooh, audacity. The soul that is led by anything other than the word of God has the audacity to modify God's commandments, to align with its feelings instead of making its feelings align with God. Did y'all hear that? Do y'all want to talk about that? Do y'all want, want to sink into that right quick? A soul that is led by anything other than the word of God has the audacity. Let me talk to you about what audacity is. Audacity is for me to go to Chris' house and move all her furniture around because I think it would look better some way. Audacity is for me to go into a restaurant and go in the back and start cooking. Audacity is for me to try to make the word of God say something it didn't say so I don't have to deal with the conviction of what God has told me. The audacity, tell your neighbor, tell, tell I know, don't tell your neighbor, tell the Lord, say, forgive me for being, for having so much audacity. Forgive me for having so much audacity. Forgive me for taking the liberty to modify your instruction. And I just want y'all to stop and think about this. How many of you can't stand? You can't stand. For somebody to modify your stuff without your consent. Some of you get caught up at work if somebody correct the email and they didn't tell you first because you like that is my email and you I'm leading this project. So here God is. He got the master plan for reconciling all of us. And we just out here taking liberties. We just out here taking liberties. Literally, some of y'all don't speak to people right now. Because of the audacity they took concerning you while you still take audacities toward the Lord. How I can't believe, how dare, how dare Chandra make this modification without talking to me? How dare she be so disrespectful? How dare she not respect my position? This title is mine. Oh. Okay, any, any, it's a good time. You just any time today, you can insert repentance. Just any time today, you can insert repentance. I mean, you mad because somebody moved something on your desk, but you move the commandments however you feel. Oh, Jesus. Okay, let's keep going. This is a puffed up soul. 
and we repent for having a puffed up soul. And when we keep going, I'm going to talk about two things at the end. Tell your neighbor, say stick to the end. Because at the end, I'm going to talk about two things where we can really see how if we're not careful, we're going to get pulled into what Paul warns Timothy about, right? Let's look at the first place. It talks about living by faith. I mean, the second place, it says Romans 1 and 17. It says, for, it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So I should live how? By the word of God. I should live by the Bible. I should live by the Holy Spirit, regardless to what anybody else is doing. Even if everyone isn't doing it, even if my kids aren't doing it, even if my neighbors aren't doing it, even if the people in my company aren't doing it, I should live by faith. And listen, right here, it says faith. And faith means, faith to faith means as we spend more time with God, we should know him and know his voice better than we did at the beginning. Can I just be honest with y'all? Some of y'all were more obedient when you first got saved. You were more interested in pleasing when you, when you first got saved. You were more interested in doing it his way when you first got saved. When you first got saved, you really cared. When you first got saved, you really wanted to live in a way to please him. But many of you, as you have walked in your walk, instead of faith by faith, leading you to have more of an understanding, more respect, instead of us being able to look at your life and say, oh, man, listen, when Sean first started, she was cussing everybody out, child. She don't cuss like that no more. What we see is that you're actually getting worse. Why? Because you are taking liberties that have not been given to you. I, I can think about people I know that when they first got saved, they didn't want to miss a service. When they first got saved, if they missed the service, they would be calling Pastor Edwin. Now, this was way before we was doing Facebook Live. And they would be like, what did I miss? Can I get the notes? I want to do this right thing. Here's this situation at my job. Am I handling it the right way? I don't want to do anything that disobeys God. I don't want to displease God. I don't want to dishonor God. Some of you would be in the bathroom crying because somebody talked crazy to you and what you want going to do was disrespect and dishonor God. But now you've been in the faith family long enough to be like, oh, it ain't that big a deal. Oh, it don't matter whether I go to church every week or not. Oh, it don't matter whether I pray and God know my heart. Oh, it don't matter if I get drunk, even though the scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the spirit. Now you're scared to pray in tongues, but you ain't scared to get drunk. Like, come on now, because it's it's the audacity for me. It's the audacity for me. And I was thinking about this all week, and I was thinking about how nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone who only gives them the minimum to to um Edwin, because you're my husband. The most I'm going to spend on you is $100. Now, nobody wants to be with someone who claims to love them, who is constantly looking up at what they can get away with. Well, I didn't have sex with them. It was just a little conversation. 
Nobody wants to be in a relationship. And this is how I know we know better. Tell your neighbor, I know we know better. I know we know better. Because when we see human beings do it, and when human beings do it to us, we immediately know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. We know adultery is wrong when we see it happen in relationships, but marriage only represents the relationship between God and us. So how can I know it's wrong when I see it in a natural relationship, but think it's okay when it's me and God? How can I think that my idolatry towards other gods and other desires in my own flesh and not wanting to upset my parents and not wanting to upset my friends, how can I not see it's wrong? Listen, if we go oh, on them, on them, TikTok right now, there's this thing going around, I'm out of a-hole. Am I the a-hole? And pretty much all the time when a spouse puts down their spouse for someone else in the family. If you read the comments, heathen and saints a lot all say your wife is your first priority. Your husband is your first priority. You don't mistreat your wife or your husband, for your mother, for your sisters. Even when you have kids and they're little kids, you don't mistreat your spouse for your kids. Have y'all all heard that? We are the bride of Christ. So how in the world is your mama's opinion more important than obeying God? How in the world is the selective morality that your boss wants you to implement more important than obeying God? It's not that we don't understand, guys. We should be going from faith to faith. Anybody should be able to look at our lives. Anybody should be able to look at our lives, saint or sinner, and see that who I was five years ago is progressing. It's getting better. That maybe I would have clapped back on you five years ago on Facebook, and I probably would have. But now I wouldn't do that. Now I'm going to respond in love. Now I'm going to do what's pleasing to God. So part of this walking by faith is that I'm going to be increasing in my hearing and my obeying. Not just my hearing, but my hearing and my obeying. Let's go. Next one, Galatians 3, 11. It's now, it says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. This does not mean that we work to be made right with God. This means that we so believe in what God has done for us through Christ that we begin to live from that reality. So my desire, think about it like this. My desire to honor Edwin as his wife is not to get him to pick me as his wife. I have already been selected as his wife. I made an agreement before God about being his wife. Now what I do is because I am in relationship, not because I'm trying to get in relationship. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? So I obey God. I reverence God. I sow seeds. I fast. I pray. Not because I'm trying to get in relationship with God. 
but because I am so incredibly thankful for the relationship I have with God. Some of us, let's take it back natural. Some of us talk about how much we love our spouse until they ask us to do something. The moment they ask us to do something, face balled up, why they can't do it themselves, why we always got to do it this way. Well, all that really shows is selfishness and immaturity. Now, we're excited when they give us something. Oh, let me tell you what my boo got me. Oh, let me show you this Snapchat. Oh, let me create a TikTok of this trip he took me on. Oh, let me get on Facebook and talk about this. But when he asked me to do something, now my chest is tight. Now I'm puffed up. And literally, there, literally, because I know I have done it. There have been times literally where Edwin has given me everything I wanted. And then he asked me to do one thing. And in my heart. I could feel that thing like, tell your neighbor, say, that's the thing you have to kill. And that's the thing you have to kill toward God. Like, literally, we will be, God, we thank you. You're so good. God, we thank you that you, um, that, 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 that you kept us out of accident. Lord, we thank you that you, that you caused us to have money. Let, that, that you, we thank you that you caused us to get promoted. Literally, God got you the promotion and then he'll say to you, but on your job, CJ, you need to represent me at all times. I don't care what other people are doing. You need to represent me at all times. And then your feelings is tight in your chest that God would hold you to a standard of a job that you only got because God gave it to you. I wish I had somebody who would help me preach. God, I promise I just want to be married. Lord, if I'm married, I will honor my spouse until you marry it and then you're not really into honor because that thing ain't really that important to you. So we do what we do out of relationship. We do what we, we obey God out of relationship. We don't disobey out of relationship. We're honorable to other people. And I remember, guys, I remember probably, it's probably been about eight years ago, when the Lord said to me, to me, because I used to be, I got, I got real strong clap back and I would be clapping back on folks because they had got out of pocket talking to me. And the Lord said to me, you keep doing that because you care more about your reputation than mine. You need to clap back because you care more about your relationship than mine. You care about your reputation. You care what they think about you. You don't care what they think about me. Because if you care what they thought about me, you wouldn't act that way. But you don't care what they think about me. You want me to bless you. You want me to favor you. You want me to make you the head and not the tail. You want me to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You want me to deliver you from all of the weapons that are formed against you, but you don't care enough about my reputation and my opinion to close your mouth. Because how dare they talk to you like that? How dare they, how dare they treat you like that? Come on. Now let's go to the next one. It says, but, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Now in the very first scripture in Habakkuk, it says, when you upright, when your soul is puffed up, you're not living upright. But he says, those who have been made righteous, tell your neighbor, say, that's me. That's me. 
Those who have been made righteous shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, what does the rest of that scripture say, guys? My soul, God's soul, has no pleasure in him. So he says, you're born again. I love you. I brought you back into my family the way after sin pulled you out. And I've called you to live by what I told you. But if you shrink back, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, and my imagination has no pleasure in you. Those who have been made righteous are called to live by faith. This means we must exalt the word of God above everything else. We do not use the word to find loopholes for our sin. We do not use the word to find loopholes for our sin. That's why I won't discuss people who don't want to discuss the Bible with people who don't want to tie. Because here's what I know about love. I know that when we love people, we always give them more than we intended to. Who can testify with me? How many of you have ever been like, I'm only going to buy my kid this one toy at the store, but you don't buy three toys at the store. I'm only going to buy my spouse one shirt, but you don't buy five shirts. So here's what I know. This, this is the reason I will not argue the technicality of tithing with anyone because anybody we love, we give to. So when you go to a church and you don't ever want to give, I already know that you don't love the church and you also don't love the God of the church. Now, what you may love is that God God blesses you. What you may love is that God protects you. What you may love is that God favors you. But do you actually love God? See, because it is possible to love what somebody gives you without loving them. It is absolutely possible to love what someone is giving you and not love them. And I can always tell whether I really love God or whether I really love people, how I respond when it's time to give. That's why I'm not arguing about that. I'm not arguing with anybody who is looking for a loophole to disobey God. I'm not, I'm, I'm not arguing with somebody who's looking for a loophole about how they can cheat. When you start talking to me about how Abraham had multiple wives, I'm not having this conversation with you. It's stupid. You don't love it. And the truth of it is, is that we keep having a discussion about whether God loves us when we need to be having a discussion about whether we love God. God has solidified his love for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. The issue is not whether God loves us. The issue is whether we love God or whether we just want God's stuff. Let's keep going. Y'all getting something from this? Y'all tell me what y'all getting from this so far. See, because if you really love somebody, if you really love somebody, let, let me say, you know, let me have all my lovers in the house. If you really love somebody, you don't watch the movie you didn't want to watch. You have eaten at a restaurant that you did not want to eat. When, when you, you have, you have, this is my favorite story. And everybody laughed at me when I say this, but I was the, I was the, I parented five small children. And one of the things that each one of my children did that got up under my skin was the music class with the recorder. I hated that performance. I hated it. They sound like cats screaming on a roof on them recorders. But do you know what I did for all five of my children? I went and I sat 
and I took pictures and I found the good notes in it and I told them they did a good job and I did it not because I like recorders, not because I liked concerts, but because I love my kids. We always know how we really feel by what we're willing to do in pressure. Right, and said, good job. Sitting there thinking, Lord, will you deliver me? This could be a good moment for the rapture. Just any time now you could come back. Could you transport my soul somewhere and leave my body here? But I went to every one of them. And see, some of you, because you haven't taught your kids like this, you're, this is why you feel like your kids are entitled. Because you taught your kids that you owed them everything and they didn't owe you anything. But biblically, that's not correct. Biblically, God is always about, is about family. So I do what I do for my kids so that my kids can do what the next level is. And so when you violated that standard, you negatively impact the family. And so many of you are dealing with the fallout of kids that you saw, that, that, that they saw you do everything for them. But you let them get away with doing the minimum with you and having a bad attitude. Me and Unika were talking about this yesterday because this is about faith to faith. So um, it's some little kids in this church who love me. Some little babies in this church who love me. Ava love me. She the baby of the group. If Ava brings me a macaroni necklace, I am going to take it and I'm going to wear it. You know why? Because Ava's in kindergarten. If Chris bring me a macaroni necklace, I'm going to say, I don't want this mess. If Ralph and April bring me a macaroni necklace, I'm going to say, how, what, how have I, how have I offended you so? What have I done for you that you would, you with your 40 year old, all and almost 40 year old sales would bring me a macaroni necklace? The reality of it is, is that in relationship, we expect people to progress as they grow. We expect people to. God expects us to. You see CJ's on here right now. He's all excited to be a single father. He talking about all of this different stuff. I guarantee you some of that stuff. Like the other night, CJ talked about how at 2 a.m. she got up because she was hungry. I bet she better not wake him up when she's 17. I bet at 17, she better not wake him up and say that she hungry and thirsty. He going to say, what the heck did you wake me up for if you don't go in there and fix you a turkey sandwich and get you some apple juice and go back to bed? Why? Because we expect progression in relationship. How are you okay that you've been saved for 17 years and you still act like a three-year-old? How are you okay with it? We expect progression in marriage. With no real talk. I was talking to a couple of friends and they were talking about the number of people who are getting divorced right now. People are getting divorced really because they have not seen progression. Okay, we got married when we was 22. When we was 22, you didn't really have no control over your anger and over your emotions. And so you hollered and you acted a fool and I let it go. When you was 28, I expected it to get a little better. You're 47 now. You're not going to be up in here hollering at the fool all the time. I'm not doing this with you. We expect progression. My question to you is why are you demanding progression from everybody, but you don't owe God progression? 
No, that's what I'm really trying to ask here today. You tell me why everybody should progress with you, why everybody should be mature with you, why everybody should be more considerate with you, but in your relationship with God, you don't owe that. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Faith starts. Okay, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 6. Somebody just put in the comments, I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm changing. So in Hebrews 11 and 6, in the voice, it says without faith. Now, we just looked at Hebrews 10 where he says, "My," where God says he got a soul too. He got mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. And he said that his soul is not pleased when we draw back from faith. So without faith, no one can please God because the one coming to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who come seeking. So God is looking for me to come and say, I really be wanting to punch people in the face. Can you help me with that? I really have sexual desires that you told me not to have. What can you help me with that? I really don't like to forgive people. Truth be told, I really do like to hold a grudge. I, I'm coming to you because you're the only one who can help me. And I reverence you enough. I reverence you enough to do it your way, even when my flesh don't like it. I, listen, I don't know. Okay. can All right. So y'all know that we bought Canaan a brand new BMW. Brand new. It had eight miles on it when she got it. And so we did it as the joy of our heart because we love her. We have the ability to do more for Canaan than we could do for our other kids. All our kids got new cars except for Caleb, but that's because he didn't want a new car. So that's another subject, right? But even right now, we're so committed to this that we told Caleb when he was home, we still owe you a new car. And he's like, oh, I'm probably going to New York for grad school. I don't know if I'm going to keep the car I got now. Back to Canaan. So we get Canaan this car. And we pay for her gas, we pay for her maintenance. And I know some of you feel some kind of way in your chest, but that, but you get delivered, okay? I know that you had to drive a hoopty. I know that you can only put $3 of gas in it, but that's on you. That's that's you and your story. I know that some of you think your kids need to work real hard for everything. I don't believe that because God doesn't make me do all of that. So whatever issues you have with that, you bring them to the altar and you let you and the Lord work now because I'm talking about me my daughter and this BMW she got. Now, I so I pay for her car to be washed because why would you have a BMW and it be nasty? That just don't make sense to me, right? And what happened is one day she had come home and I know she like a daddy, she doesn't like to take her clothes off and then go out. So as she walked in the door, I said, I need you to go to the store. And she looked at me and she said, you couldn't have gone to the store before I got here. And so I looked around because I thought she might be talking to somebody else because I figured that she really couldn't be talking to me like that. And she said, I don't feel like going to the store. And I said, I feel like going to the store even less. And she was like, I think you should go. And I said, do you like driving your car? Because I like to see you in it. You look cute when you drive it. Do you like it? And she says, yes. I said, well, then in the words of my grandma, you best make your way on up to that neighborhood market and get the stuff that I need. What y'all don't understand 
is that y'all keep acting like all God do is rub on your back and love you and say, Ralph, it's okay if you don't want to. Ralph, you don't get, there, there are times that the Lord says to me, no, what you better not do is put that on Facebook. What you better not do. And see, because y'all have created this false gospel where God is just love and daisies and flowers and, and running through and, and, and bubbles and stuff. So then when God says to you, Karen, you bet not. You better not. Because the Bible says, this scripture isn't in here, but I'm just going to throw this out here for y'all. I know that y'all keep trying to rewrite this gospel to make it like God is just cotton candy on the inside. But in the New Testament, it says that he chastens those he loves. It also says this in Hebrews 4. It says that if God cannot correct you, you a bastard. Now, I didn't say it. He said it in his word. He says, if God can't correct you, you a bastard. So you can check your own status by whether God can correct you. If God can't correct you, that to pull the scripture up, Ralph, because they might think I'm lying about this and I just wanted to say bastard. Go ahead and pull the scripture for them, right? The Bible says in Hebrew that the Lord chases those he loves. That's why when people be talking to me about this Holy Spirit, that don't never correct them. I'm like, you got a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Because the truth of it is, it says, it says, but if you are without chastening, whereof you have all been made partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Find me another translation that's easy because you know that's got a lot of old English in it and they may be like, he ain't really saying that we bastards. Go ahead, find me something that's going to make it real, real plain. No, I and Latine said, and he will use his people to bring correction to you. Oh, okay, I like this one right here. It says, now, if you are exempt from correction and without discipline, in which all of God's children share. Tell your neighbor, say all of God's children. He says, now, if you are exempt, if you can't be corrected, because he just said all of God's children get corrected. All of God's children. Is that is that what the scripture said? All of God's children get corrected. And let me tell you how you, I know you believe in correction. This is how I know you believe in correction. I know you believe in correction because the first thing you do when a child is not managed well in public spaces is blame the parents and you say the parents need to discipline them. In fact, some of y'all now blame 40-year-olds. You blame the parents of 40-year-olds for 40-year-olds 40 acting a fool. You are convinced that they still acting a fool because their parents did not discipline them. So all of God's children get corrected. All of God's children get corrected. We don't even think parents who don't correct are good parents. Parents, if somebody bring their kid over your house and their kid turning flips on the back of your couch and jumping on your coffee table and stuff, the parent don't say nothing. You're like, you don't even need no kids. Well, God is a good father and God corrects. Now, this is just for free. The reason Pastor Edwin was warning us is because some consequences come from God's correction. Now, I'm going to give you a biblical example. Here's a biblical example. When Jonah was in the belly of the fish, I just want a question. I just got one question. Who put Jonah there? Why was Jonah there? Jonah could not rebuke the devil out of the fish's belly. You know why? 
because Jonah was in the fish's belly because of his own disobedience. Sometimes you are in the fish's belly because of your own disobedience. You got fired because the Lord told you to quit talking so much at work, but you kept on gossiping. You got caught up in some mess and they escorted you on out the door and you talking about the devil. No, 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 no. So let's keep going. Are your feelings causing you to offend God? Are you are your feelings causing you to be offended with God? Sin is missing the mark. We almost done. Tell your neighbor, say, stay strong. I know this is strong teaching. This is a strong black coffee teaching. No cream and sugar today. I get it. It's strong. For some of you drinkers, it's a strong drink. It's not a cooler. It's something stronger. It says, sin is missing the mark. And it means to transgress against God, to violate his commandments, instructions, or law. Sin is the result of trying to get a need God knows you have outside of God's will. So we fall into sin because we are trying to get what God wants us to have, but we are trying to get it without God. Now you can go back to Eve. I don't want to teach that because I teach it so many times, which is that what Eve one Eve fell into sin because she wanted to be like God. So instead of letting God teach her how to be like God, she wanted to circumvent God and just eat the fruit. So Jesus redeemed us from this curse. What Adam and Eve refused to do in obedience, Jesus did. And his walk gave us the ability to be new. He is the reason we have right standing with God. But in spite of the finished work of Christ, many believers still operate like Eve. We allow our ignorance, our desires, and our feelings to get us to try to circumvent God's instructions to get our own will done. Do you see what I'm saying? We want what God wants. If you want love, you want love because God put it in your heart to want love. Your challenge is, is that you think you get to ignore God's instructions about love and have the love that God wants you to have. You want wealth and riches because God put it in your heart to want wealth and riches. But you think you have the right to ignore what God is saying in order to get wealth and riches your way. And that is the spirit of Eve. And the only way that we get rid of the spirit of Eve is that we have to crucify our feelings. Listen, I really want to get to this. Listen. So many believers have stunted their spiritual growth and development because they live by their feelings instead of God's word. I want to give y'all two examples. We're going to skip over here. I want to give y'all two examples. This should not be normal among the saints. We are called to live a lifestyle of holiness, even if nobody's living a lifestyle of holiness. See, Chris... Me, Chris, Ralph, Pastor Edwin, Nitra should all decide, Chandra, that we going to live holy if don't nobody else leave ho- live holy. If don't nobody else live holy, I'm going to live holy because my standard of holiness ain't based on what Ralph and Chris and Strick do. It's based on my allegiance to God. So I'm not cussing because y'all cuss. I'm not drinking because y'all drink. Why? Because my standard is not based on what other people do. My standard is based on my relationship with God. 
All right, so let's look at some examples because I really want to give y'all these examples. Is this tracking? Are you making sense? I want to show you two particular ways that I see in the body of Christ where we allow our feelings to make us offensive to God and offended with God. One is about forgiveness. Let's do forgiveness. So let's look at what the scripture actually says about forgiveness. Let's look at Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with each other, forgive one another, and bear with each other and forgive one another. And if, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What's the standard of forgiveness? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is that not what scripture says? The next verse, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brothers and my sisters who sinned against you up to seven times? And Jesus answered and said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is really interesting because I was doing some historical research on this. When Peter came to Jesus and said seven times, he really thought he was doing this big amount of grace because the biblical standard at that time in the Torah was three times. So Peter was like, hey, this grace of God is so dope. Listen, we, I won't, how, so what you want? How many times you want us to forgive? He says seven times. And he notice what Peter says. He says up to seven times. Up to. Like it's seven, baby, that's it for you. And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77. So I wanted to get this. Tell your neighbor, don't get stuck on the number. Understand the principle. What Jesus was saying to Peter, when Peter said, how many times shall I forgive? This is all Jesus was saying, as many as it takes. As many as it takes. That's all Jesus was saying. Peter was saying, give me a number at which I can say this person doesn't deserve any more forgiveness. He said, forgive as many times as it takes. Now, again, I don't want to have some discussion about forgiveness and boundaries because that's not what we're talking about here, because many of you have not only implemented boundaries, but you are also walking in unforgiveness because you believe that the person has done something that is so big for you that you are not. It is not necessary for you to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. So we ask for forgiveness and we ask for favor and we ask for blessings and we ask for promotions while we sit with grudges in our heart towards other people. Amen, light bulbs. Some will say, I will only forgive when they acknowledge they have injured me. This is still a worldly mindset on the subject of forgiveness. Some of us say, I will forgive you. I'll forgive you. But I'm only going to forgive me. I'm only going to forgive you when you say that you're sorry in a way that works for me, that makes me feel like you're really sorry. And when I feel like I have seen enough sorrow from you. Now, I won't know if anybody else will tell the truth about this. If anybody else tell the truth about this. It is not just enough that a person apologizes. They must also appear to be what I consider sorrowful enough for me to even decide if their their apology is sincere 
one of the issues that me and Pastor Edwin used to have years ago is that we never thought the other person was serious about their apology until we took this quiz called the forgiveness language. And then we found out that the reason that we did not ever think the other person's apology was serious is because we both had different apology languages. So we had to learn. We had to learn to speak each other's language. But you know what? This And let me tell you something. Pastor Edwin used to do this. He used to get on my nerves. I used to want to push him down. I would say, babe, I want you to forgive me. And he would say, I already did. Ooh, they used to get on my nerves so bad. Let me tell you why I got on my nerves. Because it exposed that I was waiting on his apology. But he was doing what God said. He was saying, I already forgive you. I forgive you before you ask. And it bugged me because it showed that I was not forgiving until he asked. Okay, well, you say, well, shouldn't we? Where does the Bible say? Where does the Bible say that we should not forget? We should forgive people no matter what. Well, I was going to use the example of Jesus where Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for what they do. And then some of you would have said, I'm not Jesus. Great. So let's look at Stephen. Acts 7, 59 through 60, because Stephen was a born again believer just like you. It says, Verse 59, it says, and while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Wait, wait, they stoning Stephen. Y'all should go back and read this whole story. It's actually Acts 6 and 7. They are stoning. First of all, Stephen has preached again the gospel to him. They have got some people to come and lie on him. They have taken him out to be stoned. And while they are stoning him, he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had done this, he fell asleep. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. You mean to tell me they are stoning this dude for preaching the gospel and first he says, Lord, okay, I'm, go ahead and receive my spirit. But on his knees, he says, Lord, forgive them for they for, do not hold this sin against them. They still stoning him, guys. So clearly there is no repentance on their part. Clearly there is no recognition that they should do better. Clearly there is no godly sorrow because even when he says receive my spirit, they keep on stoning him. And you say, well, I'm not going to do that. You just say it. Your feelings matter more than walking by faith. The reality of it is, is that most of us are never going to be stoned. In reality, the most of us, the majority of us are only going to have somebody to say things about us that we don't like. That, that, real talk. We don't live in some country where if we profess right now, we don't. We don't live in some country where if we call the name of Jesus. They take us out and stone us. The reality, most of the stuff you won't forgive about is what somebody said. How they said it, who they said it to. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Is this making sense to you? So then when my feelings say, so then because I don't want to forgive, because you don't know how she lied on me and you don't know what she said to the, to the divorce attorney and you don't know what he said to my boss and you don't know what they told my mama and you don't know how I suffer. So really all your feelings are saying is let me give you a reason to disobey God. Let me give you a reason to disobey God. 
You don't know how they scandalized my name, Pastor Sean. You don't know how many haters I got. All you're saying, your feelings are simply saying, your feelings are simply saying, Sean, what they did is so big, you should be exempt from obeying God. Did y'all hear what I said? Do y'all see that deception? What, what that pastor did to you, what, what your boss did to you, what that ex did to you, it is so big and it is so horrific that you should have an exemption from obeying God. Chris, the way they treated you, the way they treated you was so low down and all you had done was help them. All you had done was help them and then they lied on you and then they did all this stuff. And Chris, I just want to whisper to you that you have an exemption not to obey God. Do y'all see that? Do you see that? Come on, tell me what you're thinking because we got one more and then we're getting out of here. The next one is the issue of salvation. Do you see that? Do you see the manipulation of the enemy? Do you see? And so listen, if you go back to the very first scripture I use, it says, but even so the spirit very clearly tells us in the last days, some will abandon true faith because of their devotion to spirit sent to deceive. My devotion to offense, my devotion to being right, my devotion to having to believe in retribution and full consequences, my devotion to that thing allows those spirits to deceive and sabotage me. And so mistakenly, I end up following the doctrine of demons. If you do not forgive, you follow a doctrine of demons. I don't care how you sing. I don't care how you dance. I don't care how you sew. I don't care how you talk about the destiny on your life. If you refuse to forgive, you have been seduced by a doctrine of demons and you need to cast it down. But Pastor Sean, they still talking about me. You have been deceived by a spirit of unforgiveness and you are following a doctrine of demons. That's why I don't call Pastor Sean. That's why I don't call Pastor Edwin. I'm going to call my friend from high school. Why? Because you want to continue the deception of these doctrines of demons. You want to know how we're not going to get deceived in this last day? We cannot play with these demons. We cannot play with these ideologies that give us permission to disobey God. You want to know how we're going to anchor ourselves and we're not going to get tossed to and from and we're not going to be out here believing in all types of foolishness. We cannot play with spirits that contradict God. If someone says to you, oh, it don't matter if you marry, whether you have sex or not, girl, you 43, run. If someone says to you, it doesn't matter if we steal a little bit of this money off the clock. Don't, I mean, they don't really know. We don't, we over there can run. If somebody introduces something to you that contradicts God, run. I don't care if they're a missionary, an evangelist, an apostle. I don't care if they got 12 churches. I don't care if they preach in a robe and they got communion coming through their veins in an IV. Run. 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 
Stay away from people. Stop taking advice. I'm not trying to be funny. Your mama has never had a successful relationship. You do not call your mama and ask your mama any advice about how to be married. She don't know. But she was married three times and she still don't know. Don't call your mama and ask her no advice. All right. The issue of salvation. We're done. Take a deep breath. The issue of salvation, this is the one that is very concerning to me about believers. It is very concerning to me about believers. I hear believers say all the time, believers, I just can't believe that a good God would send people to hell. Those are your feelings. And now you think you get to measure the standard God has set for salvation. But John 14 and 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one, underline no one in your Bible, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you are a born-again believer and you believe this Bible, you tell me the only way you can come to God. What's the only way? What does this scripture tell us? What's the only way you can come to God? Through who? What's the only way? So Jesus, not a good prophet. Jesus, not a good man. You must believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who came to deal with the sins and that by accepting him, you are born again. No one can come to God through anybody other than Jesus. So when you, because you got a nice coworker, that's an atheist, a nice co-worker that is another religion. And then you say, I just believe God got a path for everybody. Tell your neighbor you're in deception. It's deception. Deception. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. This is what I'm just going to say to you. I don't like to talk a lot about hell. Hell was never created for human beings. But you know what's going to hurt their feelings more? For them to lift up their eyes in hell while you sat there with them because you didn't want to hurt their feelings? I just want to be respectful of other people's religion. I can be respectful of your religion and still tell you that according to my belief, my relationship with Jesus, that the only way to come to God is through Jesus. And that is why in this day and age, you need to be very careful about people who are talking about God in spirit, but not Jesus. Because it's a lot of people who started out with you. And if you pay attention to them, they got a lot of stuff about God because they know that if you say universe, that y'all go fade to black on them. So what they say is God and what they say is spirit, but they don't say Jesus. So scripture clearly outlines for us that no one can come to the father through Jesus. However, that scripture offends many of our feelings. When we apply it to our nice neighbor, co-worker, or family member who isn't saved, our feelings allow us to come up with reasonings that directly contradict scripture. We say things like, I just can't believe a loving God would send someone to hell for not accepting Jesus. It is easier for our feelings to create a false doctrine than to say, I believe the word. And it's so important that I live a life that represents Jesus and for me to minister the gospel because I wouldn't want my nice neighbor, co-worker or family member to miss eternity because I don't want to offend them here. Let's go to Romans 10. We're going to start with verse 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth, how do people get saved? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him for the dead, you will be saved. Let me ask y'all something. 
in this scripture, in this scripture, do you see anything in here to say, if you a nice person, you'll be saved? Do you see anything in here to say, if you feed the homeless, you'll be saved? Do you see anything in here to say, if you snatch kids um, from sex trafficking, that you will be saved? Do What does it say? What does it say? It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you are professed and saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him shall never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who come call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. According to Christianity, according to the Lord Jesus, how do we get saved? What's the only way we get saved? Whoever calls on the name of of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Every religion has a God, guys. I'm not interested in you having God. Do you have Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to the Father? Oh, I believe in Christ's consciousness. We don't believe the same thing. I believe Jesus was a good man. Do you believe Jesus is the appropriation for your sins? And because of Bible ignorance, many of us are complicit in other people not knowing truth because I would rather you not be mad at me. I don't want you to be offended with me. I don't want you to be, I don't want to be a holy roller. I don't, I don't want y'all to, I get it because I know people say to me all the time, do you talk about obedience so much? You cut us up so much. Here's the reality. I would much rather cut you up on Tuesday than to see you go to hell. I would much rather tell you and have you be a little salty with me and mute me for 30 days, but come on back when them 30 days is over. I would much rather you do that than to not say anything and watch you in sexual perversion, watch you in adultery, watch you in pornography, watch you in office, watch you do all of that and don't say nothing because I don't want you to be mad at me. I just believe God is on every path and a person doesn't have to accept Jesus to go to heaven. Again, my feelings are offended by scripture. So instead of walking by faith, I try to modify God to appease my feelings. I can't pretend that the universe creation and all these other false gods are my God because my God says that the only way to him is through his Jesus. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish. So God has shown you how he loved the world. God showed you how he loved the world by giving you Jesus. So when someone says, I can't believe that God would send people to hell, you should say that's exactly why God gave Jesus, because God never intended for hell for humans to go to hell. He always created hell for the deep for the angels that rose up against him. And so his pathway out is not your good deeds. His pathway out is not you being a good person. His pathway out is through his one and only begotten son, Jesus. Would you like to be saved? Now, I'm going to give y'all some points and we're going to go. Y'all get something out of this teacher today? Here's what I want you to do. 
some steps. I'm just going to give you five right quick. I'm not going to teach them because we already at 90 minutes. All right. So one, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the area where your feelings interfere with your faith. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the areas where your feelings interfere with your faith. God, where am I offensive to you about this? Where am I offensive to you on this? Where am I offended with you? You see that? Not only do I not want to be offensive, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to deceive myself and not be. And when I start making up scripture, when I start trying to create God in my own image, I'm offended with the real God. Number two, I need to renounce all beliefs that contradict scripture. I must renounce all beliefs that contradict scripture. This may mean you say, I don't understand why fornication is such a big deal to God, but I renounce the belief that it's not. I don't understand why lying is such a big deal to God, but I renounce the belief that it's not. You must renounce all beliefs that contradict scripture. It's okay to be a side chick. Renounce it. I don't need to be planted in a household of faith. Renounce it. I don't need spiritual leadership. Renounce it. Renounce all beliefs that contradict scripture. Number three, do not use the word to find loopholes for sin. When you start searching scripture, looking for permission to satisfy your flesh, you need to know you are being entertained by demonic spirits. When I look for a scripture that tells me why I don't have to forgive, when I look for a scripture that tells me why I don't have to give, when I look for a scripture that gives me permission to do what my flesh wants to do, that that should be the indication, guys. When I can when I start looking for the word to be able to satisfy my flesh, I know I'm entertaining demons. Number 4. Agree with God quickly even if no one else does. When Pastor Elm was talking to us about standing in adversity, I, we got to be out here judging other people, saying, you go burn hell wide open. But we, we don't have to do that. But we have to agree with God, even if no one else does. If everybody know you, if everybody you know Shaq, you should still be like God's will is for you to be married. If everybody you know is having babies without being married, you still you still should st if everybody you know is stealing at work, if everybody you know is cussing and drinking and smoking weed, you should agree with God quickly, even if no one else does. And then number five, share the truth with others in love. Share the truth with others in love. Share the truth with others in love. All right. We're getting ready to go today. I hope you were blessed by the teaching as we're getting ready to give our offering today. Can you put in the comments what your big takeaways from this message is? I really want to hear this. Did this make sense? Did it resonate? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can't be parents who overlook the sin of your children. Now, hear me. Does that mean that every time you talk to them, you got to be saying you sinning, you sinning, you sinning? No, but you should not co-sign it. You ought to be known for having a righteous standard. One thing I love about my grandma, men strict laugh about, but babe, my grandma had a righteous standard. Do you have a righteous standard? Do your friends, do your co-workers, not a judgmental standard. Not, not a judgmental standard, but do you have a righteous standard? 
CJ said it's simple. God expects from us what many of us expect from others. Kim says, I owe God progression. I owe God growth. We expect our kids to grow up. All right. So it's your opportunity to give today. Listen, when you give your offering today, you ought to call your offering breakthrough, like you're breaking through. Now, I, as we're giving our offering, I want you to I want you to answer one more question to me. Um, can any um, Shante said her her liber, her takeaway is stop taking liberties with God. Can anybody tell me is anybody willing to share what's one thing? It, it, it's one thing you like. It may be you may be I need to do 20 things. But what's one thing you need to do to turn this around? God, I saw myself. I saw myself. I see where I'm giving place to the enemy, entertaining things because I like people, because I don't want people to be offended, because I don't want to hurt people. I see that. And this this is an area. And I'll give you mine. I just had to make a decision. I did this a long time ago. I just had to make a decision that I would stay on the post about obedience, even when it vexed people. I just had to make a decision. I said to my friend the other day, man, I be wanting to tell everybody they about to be blessed too. And the Lord be like, uh-uh, that ain't, you better tell them they better obey me if they want to be blessed. So we're going to give today. If you want to rededicate your life, anybody feel like they need to rededicate their life after that? I just, it's just like, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything that displeases you, that dishonors you. Cynthia said, there's someone I need to forgive and not according to my standards. You just have to make a choice. God, I choose to forgive them. I choose to stop telling this story. And some of you can stay in forgiveness. I'm not saying this is the case for, for, for Cynthia. Some of you can stay in forgiveness if you stop telling the story. It's because you keep telling the story. And I don't mean you telling the story through your to your therapist or your pastor to work through it. I'm saying you're telling the story and you just telling the story with people who agree with you about what they did to you. And you just end up more offended than when you started. Stop that. Somebody said they want to rededicate their life today. Amen, Serena. This is good. Come on. Rick, like, let's, let's grow up. I'm pretty sure we just taught about having a righteous standard. I'm pretty sure this whole message was about having a righteous standard. All the messages about obedience are ha about having a righteous standard. All the, the, the all the teachings Ralph do is about, that's all we're ever really talking about at FOC, which is having a righteous standard. All right. So you want to rededicate your life? Oh, I love that. Valley said that maybe you should start telling the story of how you forgave as opposed to how they offended. All right. We got announcements this week. I'll see your strategies for success tomorrow at noon. On Tuesday, we're going to have um, prayer at 8 p.m. Central. Um, on Wednesday, we have Ignite at 7 p.m. Get your kids involved. Um, at 8 p.m., Ralph is going to be teaching Refresh Bible Study. And then on Friday morning, we're going to have... Um, champion circle. This is where all the champions gather so that we can pray. And then Sunday, Chris will be back here at 9 a.m. And um, I'll be back here again. Pastor Ellen will be out next week, but y'all show up anyway, even though it's just going to be me. Y'all come on anyway, bring a friend. And um, we love you guys so much. And we want you to be light in this season. The world is desperately in need of light. We have to love God and love people so much that we want them to be free even if 
it upsets them what we're telling them. I don't know if you've ever been upset with me about anything that I said to only then come back and realize that I only said it to help you. I know I've been upset at some times when I've been corrected only to find out that really the person needed to say that to me. I needed to hear that so I could grow up, so I could become. Guys, the world is in desperate need of light. We cannot be light dabbling in darkness. We've got to close these doors and we have to represent our God well because there are so many people in bondage and so many people on their way to hell. We cannot modify truth and let people and knowingly let people head to an eternity of separation from God. We got to do our part. Finally, is this church for you? Then click that virtual partner link and be a partner. We love you guys so much. We want you to have an amazing week. Um, I would love for you to put a post on your page today and talk about how this message impacted you. Invite somebody next week. Send me a message if, if there's some big change that you're shifted through today. I'd love to hear that. And I love y'all and have an amazing, amazing day. I want to see you in all sessions this week or watching the replay. Y'all have a great day. Love you.